0: Is the spread of coronavirus slowing down? Do all schools have the necessary resources for in-person learning? What does it realistically look like for schools to reopen? Why have some schools had to close shortly after reopening? What steps need to be taken for schools to remain open? Welcome back to Stethoscope Podcast. I'm Stephanie Ayler and today's episode will be an update on education in the midst of a pandemic. Part 1. Is the spread of coronavirus slowing down? Before I start talking about schools, I want to give an update on the pandemic as a whole. With many schools reopening, sports playing again, and people going back to work, it's easy to forget that we are still in a pandemic. While cases peaked around late July, the coronavirus is still very much prevalent in the U.S., with an average of 41,000 cases per day, reported last week by the New York Times. Right now, America has about 6.3 million cases and 190,000 deaths. The average number of deaths per day is still very high, with an average of 850 per day so far in early September. This is far more than the average deaths reported in early July. According to CNN, 410,000 coronavirus deaths are predicted by January 1st. This translates to 220,000 Americans dying in four months. The next few months are a crucial time in the U.S. As we are still awaiting the arrival of a widespread vaccine, it is important that we continue to decrease the amount of COVID cases so we can prevent as many deaths as possible. So as schools reopen, the health and safety of both students and the country in general should be of utmost importance. Part 2. Do all schools have the necessary resources for in-person learning? My last episode about schools reopening was recorded a little over two months ago. Since then, a lot has happened. Shortly after that episode, the topic of schools reopening became one of the most talked about topics in the country. Many questioned how schools would realistically and safely reopen when coronavirus cases continued to rise in many communities. While last episode I mentioned plans that some schools, including mine, had to reopen, I talked little about how realistic those plans were. I briefly mentioned the need for additional funding, but did not emphasize just how much some schools need that extra money to implement additional safety procedures. According to the New York Times, in March, only $13.5 billion was given to K-12 education in the federal relief package, which was less than 1% of the total stimulus. With many resources such as additional teachers, new air filtration systems, and additional cleaning services needed for a school to be as safe as possible in reopening, many education groups quickly expressed that this was not enough funding. As this topic was put in the national spotlight, many leaders called for all schools to reopen, regardless of financial circumstances. In late July, however, CNBC reported that Senate Republicans preserved $70 billion for K-12 schools, but this money was mainly allocated to in-person learning. Additionally, some say that $70 billion may not be enough, claiming that K-12 schools need at least $200 billion from Congress to meet CDC guidelines to reopen safely. Federal, state, and local governments have been fighting as a result. In my county, for example, the local school district voted to suspend the reopening of schools. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis challenged this as he threatened to withhold funding from the district if schools remain closed for in-person learning. So as more and more schools reopen, some simply cannot meet CDC guidelines due to a lack of funding. But additionally, some schools have been pressured to reopen as a result of funding threats from the state and federal governments. Part 3. What does it realistically look like for schools to reopen? I personally went back to school in person about three weeks ago. My school had the money to install new filtration systems and tents outside to eat lunch in the hot summer months. We have a fairly small class with about 120 people per grade, so overcrowding in classrooms also was not really an issue. So as I was saying in my last episode about schools, I was excited to go back. My school laid out a very specific plan for reopening, and I thought that everything they were doing was enough to make me feel safe at school. But I think there is one thing that even schools with as many safety precautions as possible cannot control, and that is the social nature of humans. In the last few weeks, despite the morning temperature checks, the masks we are all required to wear all day, and the stickers designed to keep students apart, kids still socialize both in and out of school. I found that after a few days back, the six feet rule quickly faded. Despite the masks, everything at school pretty much is the same. And in my opinion, that's not a good thing. We're still in a pandemic. And yes, masks absolutely help, but they're not a bulletproof vest. You cannot disregard social distancing just because you're wearing a mask. And unfortunately, that's what I see every day in school, leading me to ask myself, is this really safe? Am I putting myself and others in danger by being here? Every day before school, I see students sitting in each other's cars together with no masks. I see pictures on social media of parties with a bunch of people from my school together. And lunch is a big issue. We are eating outside every day, which people can still be way too close outside and spread the virus that way, but outside is definitely better than inside. But when it rains, we have to eat inside. Everyone takes their masks off and eats with only about three feet between them, socializing while doing so. School feels like safety theater, to be honest. We can't turn in any tangible paper in class, but we can eat lunch close together. Everyone pretends that we are safe because we wear masks and take temperatures in the morning, but realistically, all that needs to happen for COVID to spread is people getting a little too close, whether that's inside or outside of school. And if kids hang out outside of school and spread the virus to each other that way, there will be more students infected at school, most of them likely asymptomatic, so there will be a greater chance of an outbreak in school. Recently, someone from my school tested positive for COVID and this was a person that was socializing with many in and out of school. So we will see if more people test positive as a result. But once again, it is likely that people my age will be asymptomatic and will have no idea they have it. And because of the safety theater that I mentioned earlier, many will assume they were protected around this person that tested positive because they were wearing a mask. But there are teachers and staff at my school who are older and are at high risk for coronavirus and many students live with older parents and grandparents so things could get really bad quickly if asymptomatic carriers begin to spread COVID around the school without knowing it on a positive note though in-person learning has been much better than doing virtual learning at the end of last year it is much easier to learn in person and many of the people at my school who chose a virtual option this year are struggling and saying that online school is not adequate This puts students in a very difficult position, having to ask themselves, do I choose my education or my safety? Part 4. Why have some schools had to close shortly after reopening? School is simply not designed to be socially distanced. That's why it's been so hard for schools to prevent the spread of coronavirus. So many schools, including colleges, high schools, and elementary schools, have had to close shortly after opening. Federal guidelines for when exactly a school should close remain unclear, but most say that just one case isn't enough for a school to close. But multiple kids from different areas of the school is enough. The New York Times reports some closures, sharing that 200 employees have been prevented from going to work in a school district in Georgia. In Indiana, a high school closed and switched to virtual learning after being open for only two days. And many colleges, such as UNC Chapel Hill, have had to switch to online classes after clusters of students tested positive for coronavirus. This comes as 51,000 coronavirus cases have been reported at more than 1,000 college campuses. CNN reports that Dr. Megan Ranney, a physician and associate professor of emergency medicine at Brown University, identifies that It is just not paying attention to human psychology if you think you're going to be able to put those kids back together and not have them go and party. This is exactly what I've seen at school. It is just unrealistic to expect kids not to socialize and spread coronavirus, even with as many safety measures as possible being taken by schools. That is why so many have had to close so far, and why many will have to close in the future. Part 5. What steps need to be taken for schools to remain open? For schools to remain open, there has to be a willingness to actually enforce social distancing. There also must be rules for what students can do out of school if they want to attend school in person. If a person is not being responsible out of school, they should not be allowed to put others in danger by attending school in person. The only way in-person learning will work is if there's a joint effort by both students and staff to do their part in keeping the group as a whole safe. Thank you so much for listening to Stethoscope. Once again, I'm Stephanie Ayler. Be smart, be safe, be informed, and I'll see you next time.